Good afternoon and welcome from Auto Retail Network. I don't remember my name for a minute. I'm Al Clark. And for the next 40 minutes, we're focusing on the practical aspects of marketing for automotive retail. It's the second of two webinars we've had on this topic, uh, winning and retaining customers in an always on world. Um, and in fact, you can download uh, right now or after this uh, webinar, the executive summary. It's on the right hand side uh, of your screen in the resources section. So that's the executive summary um, of the report. The full report, of course, is also available. Um, in July's webinar, if you're with us, you'll remember we looked at consumer behavior, uh, technology and the important subject of attribution. Um, and that is uh, covered in the first half of the, the report itself. Um, and that webinar is still available to view. You can see that on catch up. Um, you can search ARN live events and you'll see a link to it. Today, we're focusing particularly on brand awareness. Uh, on online presence and also looking beyond automotive, uh, what we can learn uh, in moving forward with marketing. It is a conversation uh, and we do very much welcome your questions and contributions. Uh, please do that by entering uh, your questions in the dialog box below. Uh, our editor, Tristan, will pick up the questions and send them through to us and we will raise them uh, with our esteemed panel. And you can also follow the debate via social media hashtag ARN live. So to our panel, um, I would like to welcome uh, Matt Wrigley, who is the Group Marketing and Innovations Director of Jardine Motors. Uh, Matt Dunnicky, who is Head of Marketing for uh, Hyundai Motor in the UK. And Phil Jones, who is Head of eBay Motors Group. So let's get the conversation started, perhaps with an obvious but important uh, topic brand awareness and how you go about it. So perhaps Matt Dunnicky, first of all, from a brand and OEM perspective, what do you consider and how do you go about raising brand awareness in an online world? So I think there's 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 never one, one answer to this question. And I think it really, you do need to look at where your brand is at the moment. So I, I'm very lucky to have been with Hyundai now for, for over 12 months. Prior to that, I was with Jaguar Land Rover. And if you compare the two brands, clearly Jaguar Land Rover is in a very, very strong position in terms of awareness, but they may have you know, some of the challenges around what is that identity and what, does, what do those brands mean to a modern consumer? You take a brand like Hyundai, yes, we may be considered a household name, but actually if you look at our metrics for brand awareness, we're still not front of mind compared to other manufacturers. So we have a big challenge uh, in, in, in our uh, business to try and make ourselves more visible and, um, and, and bigger than, you know, than, than customers currently see us. So how do we go about that? Well, you're absolutely right. It's, it's an online world at the moment. And I think our customers, we know they go straight online to find the brand, but that isn't the only way where they can be exposed to a brand. So they may start their, their journey online when they're buying a car, but I don't just want to talk to people who are in market for a car. You know, I want to talk to anybody who has the propensity to buy a high-end die at any time in the future. And we do that through traditionally our, our broadcast channels. So I, I think there's that one thing I would say is uh, for an OEM, building a brand, building brand awareness isn't cheap. There's very few ways you can do that on a small, low budget. You do have to invest the money. And the reason you have to invest the money is because we still rely quite heavily on more traditional channels such as TV and out of home advertising. Now, they're not right for every campaign. They're not right for everybody. Um, 
and I, I, I hope we can have the discussion today around, you know, what is what is the difference between a a, a dealer's uh, marketing plan and a national marketing plan, and what channels to use? Because, you know, I would argue in OEM it's absolutely critical they're using these brand building channels, but clearly from a from a dealer perspective, it's not it's just not realistic to be thinking you can run a national TV campaign for for three months. So. We, as a brand, we rely very heavily on the broadcast channels because it gives us reach, it gives us visibility. Everybody always says, oh, I don't watch TV anymore. Well, you know, we, we, we know that isn't true. You are watching TV. You're either watching it on catch up, you're watching video on demand, or you're watching your terrestrial TV. So we try and capture as many different um, audience groups as we can through the buyer, uh, via the, the various TV stations. But it's not just spending money that gets us there through traditional uh, advertising. We also look at other opportunities. We work with uh, partners. So we have a number of high profile football club partners. Uh, we work with an art gallery. Um, so we use them to extend our reach and give us visibility in new audiences. And that is something you can do at a national or a local level. Partnering with an appropriate organization can give you that extra reach sometimes for not even any extra money. You just work together on a joint plan. Um, and I'd say probably the third really important area for brand awareness for us is, is through media, through PR. So we uh, we have a PR team who have... Uh, fostered a very close relationship with very leading journalists across the country, very influential media. Uh, and we work very hard to maintain that relationship to make sure they're talking about the brand, they're talking about our new cars, and people are reading this in their social media feeds, they're reading it on websites or in magazines. So that, again, is a really important strand for us to build awareness. Matt Wrigley, we, we heard there from, from the OEM perspective, there's, there's a lot of TV, there's sponsorship, there's the big brand building piece. What is it for you, admittedly, now as a national retailer? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Matt's absolutely right. I, I, I see it very much as our brand's responsibility to generate the desire. Our responsibility as retailers is to activate that desire. And it's not just the buying a car, there's servicing a car, there's parts, there's accessories. There's so much more from our side of things to make sure we're activating it at that level because that age old traditional funnel where you start with awareness at the top and you work your way down, we need to focus at that very much bottom end of the funnel um, to convert those customers who have made all the decisions, whether they've, they, they've looked at a brand website, a group website, a single, uh, single dealer's website, or the disruptors and they've made that choice. And then when, when they get there, our job is to try and make sure we sell them the dream of, of buying from us, whether it's a new car, used car, parts, accessory, et cetera. Okay, so you're turning desire into, into, into activation, but I did note there, and it, it may be, um, it's worth, worth the discussion, is that you see now some of the big retail groups, you know, sponsoring Formula One, sponsoring um, football, and at the same time, as Matt has said, there are the brands that are doing similar things. So we've got kind of an overlap. Is, is, that, is, is that just a waste of money or, or is that a smart way of, of, of getting that, as you say, activation? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think in the areas we, we've, we've sort of blurred the lines. There used to be a really distinct line between what an OEM did and what a retailer did. And because of, of uh, digital activation, that area has become more and more blurred. You know, it's, it's no surprise that you know marketing budgets whether you're oem or a retailer level have got smaller so therefore people are having to work more closely together so we work closely with our oem partners they produce a great raft of assets that we can utilize but we also develop our own as well to make sure that 
from a Jardine Motors perspective, we've also got that Jardine Motors uh, focus uh, in there. So uh, probably the best example of that is our website where the website is Jardine Motors, but it's specific to the individual brands because obviously we're, each of our sites are focused on the brands, whereas as a group level, we're looking at across the 15 uh, brands that we're representing. You're watching Auto Retail Live. We're looking at the job of winning and retaining customers in an always-on world. Uh, we've heard manufacturer, we've heard retailer. Uh, welcome to Phil Jones, head of eBay Group. Phil, let's spin it around now and look at it from um, the customer. Um, what is it the customer wants from this? Well, I guess customers are probably quite confused by this. They see a lot of advertising. They see, let's say, the brand. They see um, retailer. Um, but it is probably all useful for the psyche because it's all painting a picture around what they want to buy. So this is the car I want to buy, or this is the manufacturer I want to buy from, this is the car I want to buy for, and then this is the retailer that I want to buy from. And um, it's quite a competitive, challenging space. It's quite noisy. Um, so I think the really important thing from a retailer perspective, and even the OEM perspective, is when you're investing in marketing, you know what that marketing is meant to be trying to do. Because, you know, if you're trying to drive awareness, well, you need to be measuring it on awareness because an awareness campaign won't increase sales necessarily. Likewise, if it's about sales, you're going to go lower in the funnel and focus on that. So you've got to be thinking about the customer and kind of kind of your right to play, as Matt Wrigley kind of says, you know, in, in terms of making sure you're delivering the right message at the right time to deliver the right result for your business. Um, I think that's really important. With Motors.co.uk, I speak from sort of personal experience, the first time we went on TV, I think we expected to do everything. And that was maybe because we were, we were young and naive. And it absolutely had that initial impact. But then you realize that brand building takes years. And the stuff that the OEMs have done, you know, hand out a new brand, you know, it's been going for kind of years and continuous investment. Um, but it might not influence sales in this particular quarter. So it's really careful to make sure you're optimized for what you actually want to want to achieve and, and are in it um, in it properly. And what does good look like then in terms of um, for an online presence, Phil? Um, I think good is being consistent, um, consistently good throughout the process. So, um, you know, your radio campaign needs to be good. Your website needs to be really good. But also, most importantly, your contact center, your sales team, your receptionists, everyone needs to be fulfilling that, 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 that customer experience. You know, the, the retailer is very much the last mile of this and all that money that's kind of spent on kind of you know a celebrity being in the in the advert the car driving through the alps can all be lost in a heartbeat if um if a salesperson walks past the consumer on, on the forecourt so i think you've absolutely got to hold yourself to the standards that that that, that flow through the, the whole process okay and um, by the way any questions or comments you would like to make uh to our discussion today please feel free just type in the question uh, or of course you can join uh, via Twitter hashtag ARN live uh, Indra Adiwaja um, hi Indra thanks for your question um, Matt Wrigley how do you balance awareness and conversion activities that's a good question um, it, it's all in the measurement isn't it uh, from that side I think that's the bit from a retailer perspective and I'm sure from the other Matt is, is always the challenge of how are they measuring or how are we measuring and we've spent a lot of time building in measurement tactics and channeling that through in our world there's lots of ways but through power bi to to show that logic of what what we've spent where we spent it and what we've got now in my world 
mainly that's through from a digital uh, perspective. And my head of digital does a great job in terms of, of measuring that uh, return on investment and what we get. Um, but there are some other areas which I would say it, it's not just about digital, it's also about your presence in that local market. It's about being recognized as that retailer uh, where you are, whether you're in Bury St Edmunds, whether you're in Manchester, uh, it, it is not being known in your local market. So some of the stuff can't be measured. It's as simple as that. Uh, and any marketeer that tells you it can uh, is lying. Um, but uh, a lot of the digital world we can, and we need to make sure we understand that, but we also need to make sure the business understands it. Because uh, as Phil said, it, it isn't as simple as you spent this, you sold this. Um, it's about what are you trying to achieve? And that's where we work closely with our divisions and our sites. So they really understand where their money is being spent because it's their money. I, I have zero budget. It's all generated out of our, our retailers um, and they uh, they then benefit from what comes through from uh, from that side. Matt, Matt Dunnerke, the you know, the age old, you know, tension between OEM and, and retailer, it, it's improving over years, but there's always going to be a difference um, between the, the two perspectives. How do you go about in an online age ensuring that your investment and your work um, is working hand in hand and not either duplicating or missing the point entirely with what the retailers doing. Well, there's probably a couple of ways we can we can look at that. I and mean, I think first of all, ob objectives from my side. I guess I've got two primary objectives in in my role. First one is to build the brand, and and I, I do that through the the activities we discussed. Um, that benefits our business because we're constantly growing, we're constantly reaching more people. You know, to use Matt, Matt's language, the funnel, we're, we're widening the top of the funnel. So we're exposing ourselves to more people and that ultimately affects us, but it also affects the dealer network. So bringing more people in. The second part for me is, um, is keeping our dealers uh, with a, a steady source of leads. And it sounds old fashioned, but it's, it's absolutely true and it's absolutely critical. And it's my role to make sure that as well as the brand building activity, I'm also running activity, uh, let's say sort of mid to lower funnel um, that is constantly delivering leads into the dealer network. And the reason we're doing that is obviously to try and support the ne network as best we can. We want to deliver as many people to the network who are armed, prompted, ready, excited about the brand, knowledgeable about the brand. So all our dealer network have to do is deliver a great experience and ultimately sell them a car. So I guess in answer to your question, what we're trying to do is do as much as we can at a national level, but we recognize we're only going to go so far with our activity. We can't we can't do all of the marketing for, for, a, for a dealer, nor would we want to. So we do as much as we can in terms of delivering leads. We contribute towards the dealer's overall volume. But what we also do is making sure, and I think Matt's alluded to this, we make sure we give the dealers the tools and the assets they need uh, to conduct marketing locally. Now, that could be something as basic as, as an online display ad. It could be something a little bit more in depth, like uh, as we do quite regularly with our network, uh, we run localized, personalized TV campaigns via Sky. Now, that is something it'd be fairly challenging for a lot of our network to do on their own. But when we group together, when we when we manage it all centrally and all the dealer has to do is effectively tick a box saying, yep, count me in. We can do all the planning, all the media buying, all the creative, and all the deal has to do is then obviously enjoy the campaign and the impact it has. 
So I, I guess, you know, to, to, to finally answer your question, what we try and do is we do a certain proportion of our activities deliberately designed to impact the dealer at a local level by giving them leads. The other elements of our activity is just giving the tools to try and help dealers make their lives easier because ultimately we want them to focus on what's more important at local level and that's that's doing a good job in terms of keeping customers happy so we do as much as we possibly can in giving them the tools and the resources to be able to do that but i think just one final point and and both matt and phil have mentioned this um i, I think what 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 works for me really really well is when dealers take those tools and assets and they they localize them they personalize them they give them a real local feel to it so whether it's running an event locally whether it's taking on a local football partnership what really works for me and what i've seen the best results from is when a dealer takes those campaigns but but runs them themselves uh, you know under their own identity with with a real local passion that's what really means something to the customers we don't want uh, a you know a network of McDonald's franchises. We want people with individual personality and character who can deliver the brand in their own local way. Matt, Matt Wrigley, what, what's the best experience? I'm not going to go into the worst because you know everything can always be improved. But from your portfolio of brands, what's a best um, experience? As as Matt Dunnicky has said, in terms of that lead being handed over and then being able to to work forward, what what does good look like from from your side when you're receiving information? Uh, integrations, making it easy. I mean, we all have different DMS systems that we utilize uh, it, from an OEM perspective. It's the integration into the DMSs uh, for the sites to be able to activate it because it's all about immediacy. Uh, you have to remember that, you know, if someone's interested in a car, they're interested now on their timescales. Um, it's all very well coming back to them 24 hours later. But by that point, the moment's gone. So it's all about getting uh, a speed of response. Uh, and a quality of response. It, there's no point in going back and saying, thanks for your inquiry, Al, uh, someone will be in touch with you. Um, that those automated, those uh, systems that measure that speed is, it doesn't really tell you anything. It's, it's quickly, but also the quality of the response and, and how you deal with that. And with the brands we work with, all of them, I, I would say you know, the relationship between the retailer and the OEMs have got, has got much better. It's much more of a partnership rather than Historically, you know, many, many years ago, more of a parent-child relationship. There's much more of a collaborative approach in the OEM and in the in the retailer world. Phil, let's let's flick across to used cars now, because most of what we talked about there was obviously new and used in terms of OEM through to the uh, to the retailer. Uh, how does this play? What's best practice in in used uh, vehicle marketing? Yeah, so I guess in used cars, you have the challenge that. Consumers understand that each car, each used car is unique, right? So in terms of mileage, kind of the, the previous owner um, and the such like that, all the stuff that's done in the new car world isn't a waste. It absolutely has a half-life, you know, to, to the generations who probably still don't buy Skodas or, you know, my parents' generation who would only ever buy a German car, you know, for all various reasons. This the, the investment in the brand absolutely has a, a life that kind of can can continues and, and has a has an overspill effect to to, to the dealer. So again, the consumer's thinking, what car do I want? Um, and then they're starting to think about who do I buy from? And that's where it's a case of, it's probably it just becomes a bit more um, competitive in, in that market. And because there is so much inventory out there and there's so many choices of, of who to buy from, do you buy independent, do you buy online, car supermarket, um, franchise, franchise dealer, it's really important to make sure you set out your store properly, make sure you're visible to consumers where consumers are. Um, so, you know, we're an acquisition tool at eBay Motors Group. People get 
I suppose the cars are motor stock could be K eBay, Gondry, and such like. And we are kind of sitting towards the top of the funnel with that person who's kind of thinking, I, I kind of have a rough idea what I want, and we help them narrow it down. But at that point, you know, the retailers need to be sort of, you know, be there with sharp elbows trying to push past the others to make sure they get the the, the attention um, of, of, of the consumer. Um, and I think that's kind of really interesting. If you look at the like the investment that's going into the online retailers, you know, like Kazoo and Cinch and, and, and Kazam, what I where I think the opportunity potentially is for the, for the industry and, and for those guys, which I think they've got, is not so much about the acquisitions, about the retention. So the challenge we kind of have is that actually the industry is kind of quite a leaky bucket. You know, salespeople don't stick around in businesses for, 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 for long periods of time. Someone might be quite loyal to the brand, but actually once they start coming towards the end of that and they're changing their car, they might be back into the market again. I think the opportunity, and that's what I think, I genuinely think the online retailers are getting this, is provide a really strong experience at the sale, and then you'll probably get that person come back at, um, in two, three, four, five years' time. Um, and I think that's really the opportunity. You know, that's that's kind of, you know, Turkey preparing itself for Christmas, really, with, with us, because we're an acquisition tool. There'll always be people coming back out there, but from a consumer experience, it's painful kind of going through that process. So, you know, let's let's make it as, as good experience as, as possible and, you know, and see them through don't just kind of walk away once the once the keys are handed over. And, and is there any value in the in the kind of the approved proposition? So the branded used versus um, non used? Does, does that make a difference in an online world? Yeah, I think it, I think it absolutely does. I think it provides the brand reassurance. Um, it's certainly probably, you know, consumers absolutely get that those cars might be more expensive. Um, they place a value in the manufacturer's name being um, over, over, over the door. Um, and so you'll get people who will go, that's where I buy my buy my cars from. Um, and you basically want to provide someone with that new car experience. So there's there's definite value. But again, I think the challenge when you see the rise of the supermarket groups and the online retailers is they're starting to try and outcompete on that. They're starting to provide the same sorts of levels of service and sort of the same levels of consistency, which I think for the franchise community means they kind of need to step up again in terms of the, the the sort of the service and the professional, um, otherwise they'll just be brought into price, and that'll be a harder um, battle to have. You're watching the Auto Retail Live webinar. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, looking at winning and retaining customers in an always on world. Something Phil mentioned there, Matt Wrigley, um, to pick up on people. Um, you mentioned there, Phil. Salespeople don't tend to hang around long. That's that's the way the industry works. But Phil, in this age. Um, you assume you, you need a new skill set. You need people with different skills um, to, to manage this type of engagement with customers. Yeah, I, I guess Al, uh, there's, there's two bits, really. Uh, you're right on the people and, and uh, having to deal with people in different ways. And I think the pandemic has helped us, uh, has rocketed us into having to deal in multiple different ways uh, and channels with uh, consumers. I, I would just go back to Phil's point about the online retailers like Kazoo. We have to remember as retailers, we have the holy trinity of everything. So an OEM has the brand and product. Phil, uh, as a disruptor, has the audience. But what we have as retailers is we have the brand, the product, the premise, and also people. Uh, that means that we can deal with all of those there. So when I hear stuff about the online retailers, which I do agree, they're, they're absolutely a challenge because of lower overheads. Uh, we also have to remember as retailers, we've got A, all of that experience. Uh, but also that physical presence and locality, which other online retailers are actively now trying to to garner uh, and, and build. But 
in terms of the people, we really need to keep training our people for of how to deal with all the different uh, types of inquiries of where they come through, because you have to deal with people how they want to. Uh, it's not just about answering an email, picking up a phone. Uh, it's about dealing with them in the environment and how that person wants. And that doesn't mean that every salesperson is the right salesperson to deal in those channels. They all have their different skills and attributions. So how do you manage that across your team then? Because, you know, again, you, you're spread across uh, multiple franchises and multiple locations. How, how does your team, how do you manage that, that requirement? Uh, well, in the, from a marketing perspective, we have, um, we have a divisional team and they're there to support each of the retailers and the brands that we have to make sure we're dealing for the stuff that Matt will be asking us to focus on. Uh, but we also have key experts in roles. So we have experts in digital um, uh, traffic uh, from websites to organic, um, to paid search, uh, to the strategy in terms of where you place your cars. Now, we don't tend to, or I don't see it, everyone always tends to dump every car on every disruptor, where actually they're really, and even more so now, really worth something, that individual piece. So valuing that stock and where you put it and where you place it. Uh, but then also from CRM and data and also from systems integrations. So we've got experts with real skills. They might not be able to, most people can't sell cars. That's what salespeople are there for. And remember, let's remember, it's not just about selling cars. It is, you know, cars are one part of it, but they're servicing them, fixing them parts. There's everything, lots of other things that go on. Um, but they're the experts. Uh, but what you need is the experts that understand that side of things, because I think as marketeers, we see lots and lots of stats of who sells the car. You know, is, is it eBay? Is it, is it the manufacturer? Is it the sales exec? The reality is the consumer's gone to all of those by, by most chances. They'll have gone to the OEM, they'll have gone to disruptors, they'll have gone to us. Who sells the car is the salesperson at that point in time. However, everyone has been involved in that ecosystem. So in terms of the people, it's understanding what expertise each of them has in that, in that funnel and making sure you support those rather than having generalized uh, people in, in, in roles to but that will miss some of the detail, which is what I think Phil was talking about, is that detail piece is not just on cars, but on the process. Interesting. And you, you strayed into, uh, understandably, it's attribution. Um, attribution was something that actually is included in the in the wider report on this whole topic. Um, and we touched on in our in our uh, webinar in July, which is also available to watch on, uh, on Catch-Up. Uh, Matt Dunnicky, we talked to Matt there about the skills that are in the retailer, which are very broad and have broadened out. What's changed within manufacturer side? Is, is it still the same approach to marketing or are there different skills and different thinking now? Yeah, I think not dissimilar to Matt. I think, you know, we, we've had to adapt as well. And, and you know, my, my observation is I think it would be fair to say a lot of OEMs uh, have not adapted as quickly as they should have done. And, you know, when I visit our, our dealer partners and, and go to the head office and see the, the level of sophistication in the marketing teams, it does make you realize that probably the OEMs still have some catching up to do in certain areas. But I think, uh, you know, look, looking internally here at Hyundai, uh, I've restructured the team. So I have a lot more focus on our, our online channels, our online platforms and, and our online customer experience. So the way the team has been built is actually to be mapped through that online customer journey and, and the team is then built according to each stage of that journey. So traditionally, you know, going back 5, 10, 20 years, you'd have your advertising manager, your events manager, um, your PR manager. It, it, it just doesn't really work that, that way anymore because everything overlaps. 
and we've, we've got to operate where customers are, which is generally online. So yes, I would say certainly in, in, in my case, we, we've, we've had to restructure the team based on that, uh, that change in customer journey. You're watching Auto Retail Live, uh, our webinar today focusing on winning and retaining customers in an online world. Um, questions and comments, do keep them coming through. Uh, Paul Bennett, good afternoon, Paul from iVendi. Whose responsibility is it? I'll turn this to Phil Jones. Whose responsibility is it uh, to drive customer retention? He says, surely the dealer. Yeah, I, I do think it's the dealer, I think. Again, the OEM can help with kind of driving that overall awareness and sustaining kind of the belief in the brand, um, for example. Um, but I do think it's the dealer and it's not the salesperson because we know the salesperson unfortunately doesn't always stick around. And this is hard, right? This is the bit where it's about having the ongoing conversation um, with the consumer and trying to spot the sweet spot for when they might be willing to, to change. Um, I mean, so many people, you know, in the last few months have been delighted with you know their dealer phoning them up and saying I can get you into a new car for you know like no money because I'm so desperate for you, your your user a number of friends have gone can't believe this has happened you know someone has come to me with an offer and you go this has always been around I mean I know it's kind of driven by particular circumstances so I do absolutely think it's it's the dealer I think as Matt Rickley will know the challenge is kind of the, the technology and kind of um, getting it there but um, you know. I do think building those customer stories and thinking about what you need your technology to do to be able to keep having that that conversation and make and make it relevant because there is a real opportunity to delight. Who's getting it right? Your, your observation. You you interact with all the industry and and you part of the industry and serve it. But who do you look at and go? They're really clever in what they do. What would you regard as best best practice from where you sit? Um, on a very personal level, I'd have to give a shout out to Listers and and Waylands. Um, who did that brilliantly with me um i was an absolute plum customer um and then they did a, did a really good job um i i see in in various conversations i think arnold clark kind of really stepping up um i mean their, their it department is is just significant um um virtue as well as well we see see kind of doing it um so you know unsurprisingly it's often kind of where the money and the scale is um but i do think it's still about the local delivery um, so again, my personal experience is it's been that salesperson who's had something about them that they've kind of been able to pick, pick through that. And maybe we're asking a bit too much of people, but um, um, yeah, I think this stuff isn't easy. It sounds easy, but building the technology, building the flags, it helps when you've got finance kind of involved in the such like, but, you know, bringing in, um, you know, current valuations, mixing that and trying to be really, really super smart with it is is hard and then providing a nice consumer experience and also the industry is still kind of recovering from the shock of gdpr and people kind of you know deleting massive databases and, and having to rebuild them but i think that's right because we're building it from the from from the right intent one of the things it's always good to look at and, and i was thinking about best practice there uh, phil that from from your view matt matt Dunnicky, you you referenced the beyond automotive in terms of some of the sponsorship um, you talked about sport, perhaps. Um, where, where is best practice that you look for as the brand um, that, that people can learn from? What are, what are things that, that you have learned from in, in other sectors, maybe, that's helped you drive awareness? Yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you know if 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 any of us as marketeers were sitting here just just looking at our own industry, I think I think you, you wouldn't have a huge amount of success. You have to be inspired 
by what's around you. And I think a lot of that just comes down to personal experiences. And, you know, one, one industry that's always uh, impressed me, um, certainly from a retention and loyalty perspective, is the airline industry. Um, and, you know, and you think of some of those reward programs that people become almost obsessive about because you're trying to collect your points. I mean, yes, there can be great reward at the end of that. But I, I think uh, you know about myself and my network who are fiercely loyal to certain airlines purely because of the way we're treated as customers. We're regularly kept in contact, we're given rewards for, for, for retaining their, their business. Um, now, and, and I think, you know, there's a lot of other, other industries who run similar programs, but I, I've certainly been inspired by brands like that who were able to keep my interest, keep in contact with me, make me feel special, even when I'm not buying a, a product or service. And, and that's that's really meant a lot to me personally. But, you, you know, you mentioned our partnerships. Yes, absolutely. You know, the fact we have a close relationship with Chelsea Football Club and, and Tate. Um, allows us to almost access a whole new world, not just of, of, of audiences, but also the way they 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 take their their products and their services to market, and that's certainly inspiration for us. And it's meant we've we've kind of jumped on the back of certain events or activities that we would never have dreamed of doing, but we've 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 had that open to us because of our partnerships. And and I think that that's very important, you know, for anybody uh, who, who's looking at um, potential partnerships, the opportunities can be absolutely incredible. Matt Wrigley, is it is it still the value from you know having having the name of the of the dealer on the local kids football team? Um, is that still a valuable thing because of what it does in the community, or, or where do you look for inspiration uh, or, or other ideas beyond automotive? Uh, I think it's a blend. So on the uh, sponsorship of local uh, teams and stuff, absolutely to an extent, uh, people can go overboard on that uh, and sponsor everything. Uh, where, uh, I guess we all see the stereotypical golf clubs uh, because golf club people buy cars. Um, but uh, it, for me, it is about your your reputation in the local area as much as it is about what you're sponsoring. Um, and you have to, you know, if you're looking at reputation nowadays, that's, you know, people will, as Phil said right at the beginning, you know, that people will go online. That, so that's your reputation online with Google. That's your reputation with Trustpilot. It's all of those areas where you, it's not just about your local market, it's about when your local market go and look. Um, uh, and so for me, yes, there is a place for that. However, uh, if I'm being brutally honest, there's a small place for that. There's much more focus in terms of your physical reputation, uh, your online presence uh, and how you manage that. Um, uh, and we could spend hours talking about that, but luckily for people, I won't. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to come to you because there's a question here from Ross Holden um, from Lombard. Ross, thank you for your question. Uh, he says, how do we protect the brand in the current environment of short supply where in the industry we understand the, the reasons for restriction, but consumers may not and, and may just be rather upset that when they could buy a car, they, they, can't, they can no longer get access to it. Matt Wrigley. Oh, to me, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, from our perspective, Al, um, we've been talking to customers that, you know, various brands that we deal with have supply issues. And because everyone is in the same boat, uh, customers are relatively understanding about it. Uh, I am generalizing all of our customers, but in the main, I understand the fact that there is supply. It's out of, our, to be fair to OEMs, it's out of everyone's control. Um, uh, and that as long as you're talking to those customers and as as Phil talked about, as long as you've got an ongoing dialogue with those customers, so you don't just phone them and say your car's going to be delayed and then don't phone them for another three months, 
that will, is where you keep uh, those things going along. But Touchwood, as, as we stand today, yes, there are supply issues across a lot of our brands, um, uh, but it is everyone. It's every retailer. It's not just a Jardin Motors problem. It's a Lister's problem. It's an Inchcape Crossers problem. So consumers are understanding it when we're talking to them, but you have to really educate them. And that's where the sales teams are. are the, the sales guys are getting a slightly bad rap um, uh, from Phil uh, uh, on things that they've got lots they have to do. Uh, they've got to sell cars. They've got to remember all the products um, uh, and they keep all their customers in, in contact. So again, going back, split those areas out, remove some of the pressures uh, and enable those things. But in terms of that conversation, that's for a sales uh, person to have with uh, their consumer just to let them. But um, hopefully Touchwood supply will, will start to come back uh, uh, sooner and we'll see see sort of what that brings with us. Quick word, uh, Matt uh, Dunnicky, from, from a brand perspective, do you get the, the, the angry uh, customer and it's an impact on satisfaction? Yes, it absolutely does. And and that is a very live issue for us at the moment. In fact, you know, having sat in meetings this morning around around a similar issue, nobody is escaping the supply situation at the moment. It's a problem for all of us. And, and as Matt said, what is helping us is, is the kind of well-publicized shortage of chips, which is making awareness higher of the issue than it makes the problem less for obviously OEMs, but more importantly, the sales execs who are getting it in the neck when a customer's car's delayed. I think I'd have to I'd have to echo what Matt said. It's about communication. Um, the worst thing you can do to a customer is leave them hanging. And uh, that that's that's why it's just important, even if there isn't any news, just pick up the phone, keep them updated uh, and, and just maintain that dialogue with them. Because the biggest frustration for our customers, it always starts, the complaint letter always starts with, I haven't heard anything from my dealer or from you in the last three months and that that can easily be fixed even if you can't supply the car you can keep in contact time is against us but we still have a few more minutes uh, here on the auto retail live webinar um question what role at uh, phil jones what role does social media play in online presence and reputation are those angry tweets uh, damaging and are the good ones worthless <laughs> i think well, i think social media is super important right but it is another channel to manage. It's another thing to do. Um, so it's another plate that we've sort of set spinning, and you need to kind of you need to keep keep at it. And I'd say it's a it's a pretty fiery one. Um, and as Matt Dunico says, in terms of like responding, you know, there are opportunities to turn complaints into the light. Um, there are best practices you can do to kind of you know uh, kind of pull the consumer into a, to a private conversation. It's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant feature that we have as a democratizing kind of tool that we can just kind of tweet the brand and let them know there's an issue. And you know that actually it's going to go into a social media team and it'll find its different way in. That's brilliant when you're you're, you're butting your head against a, a customer service team, for, for example. So it's a real opportunity um, to delight. I think the risk is just don't do it badly. You haven't got to go kind of all in and become a full-time kind of influencer. Um, but you have just got to kind of maintain a professional kind of um, standards. And I would definitely recommend doing something kind of at a level consistently well, rather than not doing anything. Um, and likewise, not, 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 not going too silly on it. And also being cognizant of the type of platform you're on. So if you're on LinkedIn, you need to have a very professional conversation. It might be about fleet management. If it's on Twitter, it's kind of a bit more generic. If you're on TikTok, that might not be the best place for kind of, you know, um, some of the brand type retail conversations. But again, you know, think it through from your, from your, from your customer. But I think it's a, it's a great opportunity and um, just needs to be handled properly. 
Talking of tips, uh, Matt Dunahy, uh, as we round off our conversation this afternoon, what would your takeaway uh, tip be uh, for us reflecting on this whole issue of, uh, of brand awareness? Well, 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 mine has and always will be, and I guess it follows nicely from what Phil has just said, but mine is, mine is community. And, and it's slightly multifaceted, but by community, I mean, you know, your, your local community. Be visible all, at all times. Be visible and be responsive to your local community and also mean something in the local community. You know, we talked today about what, what makes you stand out from other manufacturers. Well, probably not a, not a lot, but if, you, if you're meaningful if you're in your community, if you deliver something back to the community, either through sponsorships or partnerships or whatever that may be, it means a lot to the customers. And then also the third element of community is exactly as Phil has just said, your online community. Always be there to respond, always do respond to people and always manage that community properly, because if you get it wrong, it will be a disaster. Matt Dunnicky, Head of Marketing for Hyundai in the UK. Thank you. Matt Wrigley, uh, Group Marketing and Innovations Director for Jardines. Your tip for us today? Yeah, I think it's about getting the right people in, get experts to deal with each of the areas. If you're looking at brands, uh, don't don't follow on a generalistic rule, as, as Phil, Phil talked about. You need to make sure you're in the right place, in the right channels, doing the right things. Um, but make sure you've got people who understand it because it's all very easy to say, let's go on TikTok. Um, uh, but uh, it's less uh, easy for you to then actually gain that return. But um, I think Matt summed it up perfectly in terms of that reputational piece. Um, that, that's where you, you really need to understand the power of your brand uh, and what you stand for. And Phil Jones, head of eBay Motors. Yeah, I'm, I'm always about thinking about the consumer and don't just think that you think like the consumer. Speak to others, ask how they buy cars, how they search for cars. You'll be absolutely staggered at how they kind of come across your brand and how they interpret it and, and, and what they do. And it'll create so much learning and make you realize just how many kind of areas you need to kind of look at and, and just cover consistently well. A great conversation this afternoon. Thank you uh, to our panel. Thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget all the topics that we've talked about uh, today are in this report, winning and retaining customers in an always on world. Uh, you can get an executive summary of this by clicking on the right hand side of your screen. Uh, and there is uh, a route there to get hold of this report, which has all of these uh, points and more. On behalf of Tristan and the editorial team at Auto Retail Live, thank you very much for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you again soon.